Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. You can be seated. Why don't we give these guys a big round of applause? That was, uh, thank you so much for leading us in worship this morning. What an amazing touch of God in the place this morning, hey? Fantastic. I feel like we could just go and have coffee now. Like, I think God, God's already been doing some, some good stuff. Um, so just to kind of tell you a little bit about me and about my family, um, I've been married to um, the same wife now for nearly 46 years. And uh, we've got three girls uh, that are all, all married to uh, Christian guys actually all attend uh, the church where I'm a pastor, which is um, Calvary on the Sunshine Coast, and we've got nine grandkids, and uh, that keeps us busy, especially my wife, so she sends her greetings, Debbie, it's my wife, she sends her greetings to you today, as does our church on the Sunshine Coast, and um, I've been in uh, full-time ministry now for about 35 years. Um, actually began my full-time ministry here on the Gold Coast. Uh, we planted a church down here years ago, straight out of Bible college, didn't have a clue what we were doing. Uh, put an ad in the paper and rented a hall at the Burley Head State School, and uh, we made a start. And uh, Ian Pike down here remembers some of those days, and uh, he was um, pioneering and pastoring on the Gold Coast as well. And, uh, you know, so we've been kind of all over the place. I've done... I've been, an, I've been a senior minister a few times in different churches. I've been an associate minister. I've been in full-time itinerant ministry. Um, when I look back over the years, I think the only job I've never done in a church is kids' ministry, and I think that was, you know, God just loves kids too much to ever give me that job, you know. But, <laughs> um, but I pray, I, I thank God for our kids' ministers. You, you need... You, you need to, uh, you need to bless them all the time because, man, they've got such a, an incredible job. Uh, it's so, so great. Um, and I've known your senior ministers, Pastors Byron and Ann, I've known them for uh, around about the 30-year mark. Um, I first met Byron and Ann when they walked into our church at uh, Liberty in Logan, uh, where I was an associate minister with Steve Kennedy. And I can still remember the first night they walked into the church. And I turned around and I saw this couple walking in and I thought, wow, there's something on these guys. And they weren't in ministry at that point in time. Um, but I just, I just knew from day one that these guys were going to do something amazing for God. And uh, look what's happened. Look what they've done. And through God, with God's help, it's just, just been incredible. Um, yeah. I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit, um, I'm a little bit, so I'm still a bit overcome from that worship time. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I'm a little bit drunk, <laughs> which is good, isn't it? It's a great thing. Man, I could just, I could just stay there all morning. That's just, that's so good. You know, like we, what David said is so true, you know, like we, we just, we need those times in God's spirit like that. Don't, don't ever dismiss that. Don't, don't ever think, oh, gee, I wish they'd get to the Word or what. No, like I'm telling you, God is doing something amazing through His Spirit right now. He's drawing people 
drawing people deeper and deeper and God is doing an incredible work in people's lives. Just let that happen. Like I think last night we saw that. Um, we saw God ministering to, to guys in lots of different ways. And, but anyway, so this morning I, um, I, I kind of told part A of my story on Friday, Friday night at the men's camp where we showed a bit of the video that our church made about what happened to me. Um, and with your indulgence, I'd like to, to show a bit of that again this morning, just from the start, guys. Um, I'll kind of get up when, it's, when I think it's time to stop. But a lot of you, obviously, um, a, lot, a lot of you, um, particularly all the ladies, were not here on Friday night, obviously. And um, so I just think it'd be good for you to see a little bit of that because it ties into what I want to talk about this morning. So if you wouldn't mind just putting that on, we'll just watch it for about, I don't know, five or six minutes or something and see how we go. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you for that. Thanks for your indulgence this morning. I wanted to show you a bit of that video because um, some of what I've got to share this morning um, is going to talk a little bit about some of the characters that were involved in that, um, and so I thought it would be it'd be good. Um, when you, I was just saying to to David and Claire, there was a shot there with them. I don't know if you kind of realised it, but that shot where they, all those people were working, and there was a a fat man in a pair of board shorts. You know that that was that was me. That was actually me. Um, that was actually me dead. I was dead on the beach. Um, for about six minutes, I had no pulse, and uh, it took three three shocks of the defibrillator to get me back, um, and a lot of prayer, <laughs> um, which wasn't on my part, um, but some friends of mine that were there. That the two guys that spoke on there, Peter and um, and Rob, are um, two guys that are in my surfing connect group, and um, go to our church, and, and I was actually surfing with them, but they'd gotten out of the water. They'd got out and had gone for a coffee, so I was desperately trying to get a wave so I can go and join them. Probably tried a bit too hard. Um, probably, and I, I, it would seem that I probably passed out in the water, um, and then having passed out in the water, I breathed in salt water. And so when they first got me onto the beach, I'm, I still had a pulse, and... Um, and there was a passing doctor who put me on my side in the recovery position, which was the right thing to do. Um, and, uh, but then because of the salt water in my lungs, um, eventually my heart just stopped. And, um, and that was where you were seeing the, the Japanese lady, Massa, that was talking. Um, she's a, she, I was, I mean, I didn't, hardly knew her. I didn't even know her name. I'd seen her around kind of thing. But... Um, She's an ICU nurse at Prince Charles Hospital in Brisbane, which is the heart hospital. Like, for her, this was like another day in the office. Um, you know, to the extent that later on, I, the other guy, Jeff, the guy, Jeff, that pulled me out of the water, he's a volunteer lifesaver. He's in his 60s himself, but he's a, he's a volunteer lifesaver. So I'm surfing with a volunteer lifesaver and an ICU nurse, and there's a passing doctor and the lifeguard has just come on the beach down the other end with the defibrillator. Like every single thing. It still absolutely amazes me. 
And, uh, you know, when, when, she, when Massa talks on there about um, a great power, she talks about a great power that kept pushing her back. She, she had no Christian background whatsoever. She grew up in Japan, which is, as you know, is not a Christian country. And uh, she, um, she didn't know what that power was. Um, but I've since been able to explain to her it was the Holy Spirit. Um, because the doctor wasn't checking me. He, he'd put me on my side, but he didn't, he didn't keep checking me. And if she hadn't kind of obeyed that power and come back and found out that I didn't have a pulse, I wouldn't be here. End of story. And um, so Friday night I was talking to the guys about, um, I basically preached a message that I, I preached about 12 weeks after this happened. And um, I talked about what I'd learned at that point, you know, about the things that I'd learned. But then I had an opportunity earlier this year, about 12 months from when it happened, I had another opportunity to speak at our church. And I wasn't asked to speak about this, but they they just said, preach whatever you want, which is a very dangerous thing to say to anybody, really. But, um... I was praying about it and I just felt God say, you you need to talk about what you've learned now after 12 months. You know, what you've learned after 12 weeks and what you learn after 12 months is very, very different. Um, Because what you learn in the first 12 months is about, you know, um, well, I shared with the guys on Friday night. I just, I learned that, you know, my life really is in God's hands. I'm not going home until God says so. Um, I shouldn't, statistically, I should not be here. As literally less than a 1% chance of survival. And almost everybody that survives something like that has brain damage. Almost everybody. When I was in an induced coma in the hospital, the doctor, the doctor asked, told my wife, I, I want you to get the family. I want to have a family meeting. How many of you know when the doctor wants a family meeting, it's not a good sign? And he... And he warned everyone, he said, you've got to be prepared for brain damage when he wakes up because, you know, he's been without, he's, he's had no pulse for six minutes. Um, praise God, I had people that were really good at CPR. Um, that's what kept the blood going. And uh, that's why, seemingly, I have no brain damage. Some people have questioned that, but that's okay, that's all right. Um, so the, the first 12 weeks is, is really about coming to grips with what's happened to you and letting your body heal. So I couldn't drive for six weeks. Um, I couldn't do much at all, uh, but I, I started a rehab program. I couldn't lift anything for 12 weeks. I wasn't allowed to surf for 12 weeks. Um, but they said, like, at 12 weeks, your body's pretty much healed. You can pretty much do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt too much. Um, I've since found out that's not really that true. It takes your body quite a lot longer to heal than that, especially when they've like cut you down the middle. I had to have open heart surgery. Um, if you know anyone that's had that or you had it yourself, you know they, they cut you down the middle with a, basically with a power saw. They rip your rib cage open. They do the work they've got to do and then they put you back together and they wire, wire up your rib cage. So we're, uh, Afterwards, after I got out of hospital, I had this like this little point sort of sticking under my skin. And it was sore, you know. 
And I, I said to um, a nurse at our hospital, I said, What's it? I, I got this thing here. She said, oh, it's the end of the wire. She said, like, they wire you up and then they twitch it up like fence wire and then they cut it off and this thing's sticking out underneath my skin. It's like, geez, I could have done a better job than that, surely, you know. Um, but after, after 12 months, I, I sort of started to reflect on what I'd learnt because the first 12 weeks is kind of a physical journey. The next, the next nine months, at least, and probably more, um, is a mental journey. And um, I met a, a pastor friend of mine when I was, just came out of hospital. I think my first trip, once after I got home, my first trip was just down to our local coffee shop. And I met um, a good friend of mine, uh, another pastor, and he was talking to me. He's older than me. And um, he said, oh, I had that. Um, I had that surgery 20 years ago. And I said, uh, really? I said, I didn't know that. He said, yeah. I said, well, that's good news. Like, you're still here. 20 years later, he's still here. Like, that's got to be good news, right? And he said, yeah, yeah. He said, but nobody told me what it would do to me mentally. And they don't. They don't tell you. They, they, they don't tell you in hospital. Uh, they don't, I did a whole rehab program, and they didn't really talk about it at all. And yet, it's an incredibly common thing. And so, what I'd like to share with you this morning, in the next little bit of time, is what I feel I learned about recovering from trauma. I'm not talking to you as a mental health professional. Um, I'm talking to you as a pastor and as someone who's been through it. And I, when we were worshipping this morning, I'm like, Lord, do these people really want to hear this? Like, why am I here? <laughs> um, not everyone that's been here has been through this. But over the last, I, I think one of the things that I realise is that over the last two years with, with the pandemic and everything that we've been through, pretty much everyone's been through some kind of trauma. And... And, and I think in, when you're in a church, and, and in a church like this, you're probably you know, undoubtedly in one of the best places on earth to be able to cope with that. But the one thing that I, I'm noticing at the moment, uh, and I said this the other night, like I've been in full-time ministry for 35 years, and I have never seen so much need in the community as I'm seeing right now. I, ha I, am, I have never seen so many hurting people in my whole life. It, at times, it can be overwhelming. And, and I was just praying this morning. I said, God, what's, why am I bringing this message? Like, hopefully, it's going to help some people here. But this is what I felt God say to me, Pastor David. I, I just felt that God said, as a church, you need to get ready for hurting people. People are going to start to flood into this church, and they're going to be hurting. And if you've... Even if you don't need this message right now for yourself, you're going to need it for somebody else. So if I can do anything to, to A, to help you, but B, to equip you, um, then I think that's what this, this morning is about. Is that okay? So here's some things that, that I learned uh, and had to really kind of come to grips with 
uh, in that period of time. Uh, number, point number one, God will bring good out of bad situations. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Most of us know that verse. Sometimes we use it a little bit too glibly, but the reality is it's still the truth. God's Word is the truth. It doesn't say that everything is good. Not everything that happens to you in life is good. That is not the promise. The promise is that God will make it work out for good. And that's, that is so important. If you don't grab a hold of that for yourself and for other people, then it's kind of hard to know where to start. I have to sit with people. I've had to sit with a, with a couple in the last few weeks um, that just lost their little baby, their, their first child. You reckon they're hurting? You reckon they're traumatized? And, and you know, when that happened, they weren't Christians. But now they are. Through that, they, they reached out to me because they're part of the surfing community as well. Um, so one of the things, I'll talk a bit more about that in a moment, but, but one of the things that, that happened out of my situation is that that, that lady Massa that we, I was talking about there, um, I invited her and the other guy, Jeff, to come to church on the first day that I told this story, about 12 weeks after it happened. And I said, you guys have got to come, like you're the stars of the show. And I put them on the front row and, and, uh, and, and after the meeting, like the whole church just flooded these people with love. They were just so thankful to them. And um, anyway, Jeff was, you know, he's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, this is good. You know, thanks for inviting me. And I was like, don't, don't, don't call me, I'll call you kind of thing. Um, although he was definitely affected. He was definitely affected by that whole experience. Um, but Massa said to me, she said, I really enjoyed this today. She said, can I come back? I said, hmm, let me think about that. <laughs> I said, of course, you can come to, what, you can come to anything. Like, and she was just one of these people that, you know, you don't have to follow up. Like, she follow you up. And she was just there every Sunday. And uh, to the extent that, I don't know, it got to about October last year, and um, she'd been there every single Sunday. She'd never responded. And it was about October, November last year, and I felt like bold enough to say to her one day, I said, I said, Massa, like, when? She said, when what? I said, when are you going to say yes to Jesus? Like, you're here every week. And she'd already started reading a Bible. She did an Alpha course, all this stuff. She said, no. She said, I, I, I'm a kind of person that takes a long time to make up their mind, but when I do, it'll be, it'll be forever. Okay, fair enough. Because you've got to realize, like, she's not someone that's had the seed of, of, of the Word of God sown into her life. She, she didn't know anything. She knew nothing. And um, so on Christmas Eve, she put up a hand and said yes to Jesus in our church. Um, came again the next day on Christmas Day, which was exactly the same service. I said, you know it's the same service? Yeah, but I just, I, she said, I just want to be here. So anyway, 
we baptised her in the surf at the spot where it happened, like 12 months to the day. I think, I think there, there might be some photos there or something like that, but anyway, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, uh, that's, so Peter, Peter Yates and me, uh, we baptised her in the surf 12 months to the day. And, um, you know, isn't it amazing? Like, I had four blocked arteries. One of, them, one of the main ones was 90% blocked. I was a ticking time bomb. I was going to have a heart attack at some point. So God arranged it that I would have a heart attack in the surf and be saved by a lady who needed salvation herself. Um, after she started coming to church, I got a phone call from one of her workmates at Prince Charles, who I didn't know. And this lady introduced her and she said, oh, I was so, so thrilled that Mass is coming to church. They said, we've been praying for her for 10 years. Isn't it amazing? The prayers of people. And so God goes, okay, she needs salvation. This, he's going to need to come back to life. I'm going I'm I'm to put all this together. It's amazing. Like when Peter Yates says on the video, it was like an orchestrated medical team. It was. It was orchestrated by God. Even the ambulance driver who I've met since said to me, he said, mate, he said, I'm not religious at all. He said, but I've got to tell you, he said, everything lined up for you that day. And he said, you don't see it very often. You've got a guy that like doesn't even want to know about God admitting that Something was happening that day. You got someone like Massa's coming to church, and about six weeks after she's coming, she says to me, "What's the Holy Spirit?" She doesn't know anything. She knows nothing. I said, "That's that great power you felt on the beach that day," and I absolutely believe it. She had an encounter with God on the beach, not knowing anything about Jesus or anything. The young couple who unfortunately tragically have just lost their little baby they were on the beach as well that day um the guy was one was one of the guys that helped jeff pull me out of the water um his his partner uh was in the water surfing with me and uh and through that i won't tell you the whole story but i got to know them and so when their baby was born and had problems um she put a thing on Facebook saying, hey, a baby hasn't had a good start. You know, like, if, if you pray, could you, could you please pray? And so I sent a message and I said, hey, I'll come to the hospital and pray if you want me to. And they said, no, no, that's okay. Um, and a few days later, I got a message saying, we've been told the baby's not going to live. When, when they switch off the machine, that'll be it. Um, and they said, would you, would you come and just pray a blessing over the baby? And um, so I, I drove to Brisbane and I did that. And there was an incredible sense of God's presence in that hospital room, I'm telling you. Um, and and, uh, and the, the guy said to me, he said, in a few weeks' time when we settle down, he said, we want to come to your church. I said, great, you know, that's fine. And then after the little baby died, I was visiting them, talking to them. And, uh, and she said to me, we, in a few weeks, we're going to come to church. 
And I said, I said to them, listen, I want you to understand something. I said, no, nothing that I've done for you was to get you to come to my church. And they said, no, 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 no. She said, no, I've been thinking about it for a long time. She said, actually, I've been thinking about it ever since you had the heart attack on the beach that day. So now they've been to church a couple of times. Um, she's brought her parents along as well. She put her hand up for salvation. God's just moving in that situation. This is a tough way to do evangelism, folks. I don't recommend it. But God is moving. All right, very quickly, I'm going to try and do four points in five minutes. Is that okay? Point number two, if you, if you, for people that are going through trauma, you need a support team. You need a bunch of people that are, are praying for you, are supporting you. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a story in Mark chapter 2 about a guy that's, a, that's paralyzed. His four friends are carrying him to Jesus. That's a support team. You need a support team. You know, you, you, your church can be a great support team. Uh, we just had a men's camp. And, 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 you know, guys, I, would just, I was encouraging them Friday night, get into a connect group, find a bunch of guys. Um, there might be a photo there of a whole bunch of guys in a circle kind of thing. That was my support group. Um, they really, uh, uh, from our church, and, uh, and they were great support to me. But I was also hugely supported from, you know, obviously from my family, uh, but also from even the surfing community. Um, the, the surfing community, particularly the longboard community in Caloundra, has become my mission field. My ministry is the church. But you know, everybody needs a ministry and a mission field. That's my mission field. And, and people are coming to the Lord. Uh, so, but you, you need a support team. Let me just encourage you with that. Um, if you're not in a connect group, find one. If you can't find one, start one. Start one. If you've, been, if you've been a Christian, I remember years ago, Steve Penny sent me to, to a, a, a connect group at, at, uh, at Liberty and the couple that were running it had been saved three months. And they had about 40 people in this connect group. And Steve said, can you, can you go down and like just make sure it's all, it's all okay? I went down, I was appalled. Like, honestly, what, what they were teaching those people was, was completely wrong. And, and, and there's, like, there's Christians in the group and they're going, no, no that, that's not right. And they're like, yes, it is. Yes, that's right. I'm like, oh, God, what is going on here? But you know what? They just love people so much. That was the biggest connect group in the whole church. And they went on to become pastors and they, they pastored a great church down at, down at Redland Bay and it was just amazing. You don't need to have a Bible college degree or diploma or anything else to run a connect group. You just have to love God and love people. So I just encourage you in that. Um, point number three. Oh, it's just gone over to the wrong sermon. Stupid iPad. It wouldn't be me that's stupid, would it? It'd have to be the iPad. Point number three. This is important. This is important, and this is for, for some of you here today. When you're going through hell, don't stop. 
You know, the, the 23rd Psalm says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you're with me, you're rod and the staff that comfort me. The, the point is, when I, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't camp there. Don't get comfortable there. Don't stay there. Keep going. No matter what, no matter what, keep going. I had good days and bad days. All recovery is like that. The worst part is when you have a good day, you overdo it. And then you have like three days, three bad days. So you kind of got to learn when you're having a good day, just like temper it a little bit, but don't stop. If you need to take a break for a little bit, do it, but keep going. I went back to work. I went back to, to the church. Uh, I, I didn't even attend Sunday services for a few weeks, but after about six weeks when I could drive, the first place I went to was my church. Then I started going back one day a week uh, for about six more weeks. And then after about six weeks, I went back, I think, three days a week or something like that. That was all I could manage. In fact, it was a massive struggle for me to get back to work. It really was. I'll tell you a bit more about that. But um, yeah, like just, just keep going. Um, don't change anything. That's the only thing they said to me in hospital that kind of related to the, the mental journey. They said, don't change anything for six months. Don't chuck your job in. Don't chuck your business in. Don't chuck your wife in. Don't chuck anything. Like, just keep, because, because they did say, like, for six months, your emotions will be all over the place. Well, I'll tell you, it wasn't six months. It was at least 12 months. Uh, and probably, as you can see, I'm still affected. Um, which kind of leads me to the next point. Point number four, be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. They did tell me that in hospital. Be kind to yourself. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know what that meant. I went to a rehab program. They weren't kind to me at all. <laughs> they pushed me all the way. Oh, good, you're lifting those weights. Okay, now we're going to take that up. Oh, good, you've managed, you know, 10 minutes on the treadmill. Now we'll make it 15. They just keep pushing you physically. So I'm like, well, you said be kind. These people are not kind. Um, but really, it's a mental thing. And what they're saying is, you're going to have to cut yourself some slack because you're not going to be able to function like you were. Um, and I would say this to you. If you're, if you're trying to help someone that's, that's going through trauma or has been through trauma... Make sure you're kind to them. They might look like they're healed, but in here they're not. That takes time. So for me, when I tried to go back to work, the thing that I found was that my memory was shot. I couldn't remember. People that I knew really well, I couldn't remember their names. I'd go to church, like, I'm a pastor, right? Like, everybody expects you to remember their name. We've got like 2,000 people in our church. But I'd go up to a group of people and people that I knew equally well. And I, you know, g'day, g'day Fred, you know, g'day Mary, g'day Joe, g'day, 
but it just wouldn't come. And it's embarrassing. You know, when you're a pastor, it's really embarrassing. Like, I'm talking about people I know really well. One day I forgot my granddaughter's name. And I came to the conclusion that I must have had brain damage. I thought, well, I, I was forgetting appointments. I found that if I got an email, if I didn't do it straight away, I would just forget it. Within 15 minutes, it'd be gone. And I thought, man, I must have had, I must, I must have got brain damage. I wanted to quit my job every second day. Every second day, I'd say to Debbie, I can't do this. I would just get overwhelmed so easily. I couldn't handle stress. I'm so thankful that my church didn't sack me because I wasn't doing much of a job, really. I was doing my best. That's where I had to learn to be kind to myself. I had to realise one day, you know how you get these little news items on your phone? One day I get this news item, it comes up, seven signs of cognitive slide. And I thought, I don't really want to read this. <laughs> and I thought, I think I should. And I started to read it and I was like, I was ticking every box. And I got down to about point four and, and there was this paragraph in there and it said, um, uh, th these are signs. However, if you have been through trauma in the last 12 months, none of this applies to you. I tell you, that was a word from God for me. It explained to me, it explained that the way that your brain works is that your brain organises thoughts into channels. It's like a furrowed field, like a ploughed field and the water runs down the, the furrows. That's how your brain organises thoughts. When you go through trauma, it's like a bulldozer runs across the field. So the best way kind of that I think I can, I can explain it as a layman is that you know, for me, and, and I know, this, I know that there's a, there's a lot of people who have acquired, actually do have acquired brain injuries, and, and they need special help. They certainly need all the kindness that we can give to people. They need to be encouraged. In my case, it wasn't a hardware problem. It was a software problem. And, and it said, eventually, this will come good. And so it's taken, I reckon it's taken 18 months for me to get back to a place where I can, I can hold things in my mind reasonably well. But you've got to learn to be kind to yourself. You can't do all the things you used to do. I went back surfing after 11 and a half weeks. I was told 12 weeks. I got to 11 and a half weeks and the surf was good and I said, I'm going. And, and, and after an hour, I got out and I was feeling discouraged. And I said to a friend of mine, I didn't even get to my feet. And she said, yes, you did. She said, I got a photo. She had a camera that clicks off like 10 shots per second. And I'd gone for a wave. And for a split second, I'd got to my feet and then I fell off. She said, I'll send you the photo. And I've got this photo of me on the board and I'm literally falling off. But it doesn't look like that. It looks like I'm cranking a really big turn, right? So I put on social media, I said, like, I'm going to claim it, you know. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to other people. Here's the last one, and I'm, and I'm finished. The other thing I had to learn was that I just had to put Jesus first in everything. Um, I, when I went to this rehab program, 
they drummed into me so much the physical fitness thing. And so I was telling David before the meeting, like every morning I'd get up, because I'd gone back to work by this stage, every morning I'd get up and I'd either walk or I'd surf or I'd swim or I'd do something, but everything started to go wrong. I whacked my leg on my board and I, I broke a vein in my leg and I got a massive hematoma on my leg. I couldn't walk, I couldn't surf, so I thought, okay, I'll swim. <clears throat> so I went swimming and I got conjunctivitis. I got eye infection. So I'm like, okay, God, you've got my attention. What's going wrong? What is it? And I just felt the Lord say to me, I want the first part of your day. So after that, I kept my Bible beside my bed. I didn't even get out of bed before I read the Word of God. I figured it was just too dangerous. You know, it might take a bit to get through, but eventually something gets through. You know, you put Jesus first. You put the Word of God first in your life. Make that the first part of your day. Make your quiet time the first part of the day. I, I, I know there's morning people and there's night people. I get that. But there is something amazing that happens when you just put Jesus first. And when you put your time with the Lord first. You know, it, it, it just sets the rest of your day up. It's, it's the same thing with, with your week. You're here this morning. You've given the first part of your week to God. That's the best thing you could ever do. It just sets the rest of the week up for success, doesn't it? It's the same with your day. It, it's the same with your marriage. It's the same with everything. Anyway, that's my points. I'm done. I'm finished. But I'd love to pray for you before I hand back to Pastor David. Is that okay? If you didn't, don't need this message today, take note of it anyway because someone that you know does. Let me, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your incredible goodness. Jesus, you're so good, been so good to me and my family. And Lord, you're so good to all of us. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just minister this message to people today. Lord, that you just touch lives in this place. Just while our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you needed to hear this message today, I don't know what you're going through, but I know, I know that there's always people that are going through stuff. But if you needed to, if you needed to hear this message today, would you, would you just put your hand up? Would you just respond? I'm not asking you to respond for salvation. I'm just saying I'd love to pray for you. One of the things when you, when you go through stuff yourself, you have a much bigger heart for people that are going through difficulty. Heavenly Father, you see hands that are raised across this auditorium today. Lord, you know exactly what people are going through. God, I don't, but Lord, you do. And so God, for every hand raised in this place today, Lord, I pray for a, a special touch of your Spirit. I pray for healing, Lord, in those lives. I pray for healing in those minds, God, right now. Lord, I pray for your peace that passes all understanding uh, to guard hearts and minds in Jesus' name. Guard hearts and minds. Lord, bring hope, bring light, bring life, bring blessing, bring peace, Lord, to every person right now with their hand raised in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm done, folks. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening today. Wonderful.
Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.